this podcast contains adult content, including cannabis. You're listening to Bellas Who Play. Everyday discussions elevating cannabis lifestyles from a female perspective. Welcome to the first episode of the Bella Zoo Blaze podcast. I am your host, Kaya Blooms, and a little bit of background on me before we get into things. I have recently returned from Vancouver. I chased cannabis all the way to Canada about three years ago, and I worked in a legacy market dispensary, and through those experiences, I became a cannabis sommelier, which I can tell you more about in the later episodes. I currently work in the Canadian cannabis industry, and through certain circumstances and COVID, I am back in my homeland of Aotearoa and have decided to start a conversation around cannabis, and particularly a space for cannabis and women, because I feel like we just need a space to connect, a safe place to open up about our experiences, and really start to shift the narrative that surrounds cannabis and the stigma that's associated to it. And joining me is my sister. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me into this beautiful, relaxing Bella Du Blaze lounge. Um, I am excited to chat with you through these different episodes. It might be alienating or scary for some people, and I want it to be something welcoming. It's not intended as medical advice. So I'm no expert in health. I just speak from experience, and that's what I hope to share. And can't wait to do that with you, sis. Yeah, I'm keen to create more positive conversations around it. Gather a little Bella to Blaze community eventually. There are a lot of negative connotations linked to like cannabis, weed, marijuana, Mary pot. Jane, MJ, pot. Pot's very American, isn't it? It is. We don't really say pot in New Zealand. No. We say weed a lot more. We say bud, grass. Not really grass. Grass is not a really positive mm. term for cannabis. Ganja. Ganja is a big one. Doja, dope, reefer. If you would explain what cannabis is, how would you describe it? Like, where would you start for someone that knows absolutely nothing about cannabis? I would say cannabis is like a recreational substance that can enhance a lot of aspects of your life and your uh, well-being and your health. I would try to raise it as like enjoying a glass of wine or a whiskey or a good cup of coffee. You know, everyone has their own drug and it can really enhance your life in some ways. And yeah, I, I try to explain it as a really positive thing that you can choose to have in your life, but also you don't need at all and if you don't need it, you know? Mm, mm-hmm. Because at its core, it is a plant. It's yeah. a plant. Some people refer to it as a herb or a herb. Mm-hmm. We also refer to it as flower. It mm-hmm. can be a type of flower that kind of blooms in a way. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's a flower that has compounds in it that can have therapeutic properties for humans. And it's... Therapeutic properties are mainly contained in these beautiful, sparkly crystals that come on this matured flower. Mm-hmm. And that flower it has to be female in order to consume it. And some of the therapeutic mm-hmm. compounds that are found in, this, in these sparkly crystals known as trichomes within the flower and on the flower are mainly THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, and CBD cannabidiol. I think it's good that you're kind of painting the picture that it's a flower because a lot of people they see the five stem leaf as Mm. the symbol for weed and then a lot of the people don't know that it's actually you don't smoke that you smoke the actual flower that the plant produces so I think it's really important that you mention that it is a flower and it's female. Mm, Yeah and females can have a really special connection to the flower as well different to someone that's male because it is a feminine flower and it's a sensitive plant as well and a sensitive flower it responds to like any plant it responds to its environment and so the same flower of the same genetic could show up differently depending on who's growing it or cultivating it where it's cultivated its environment and I guess coffee is really similar in a way there's mm. there's different regions of coffee and mm-hmm. all of those things I guess it's all the same with alcohol too wine mm. comes from certain regions there's different grapes and yeah 
Some people get really specific about the specific type of grape that they like in their wine. Yep, how it's processed, how long it's been processed. Yeah, how if, whether it's aged or not, how long. And cannabis is very much the same. The, some of the best cannabis goes through a curing process and it's not the freshest you know, thing that was picked yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that yeah. would be very hard to smoke also Yeah, if it was just picked yesterday. I think what you were also explaining before about the trichomes, because I think a lot of people that don't know about cannabis don't know the difference between THC and CBD, what each of those do, uh, how to consume those things. And so maybe you should explain more of what you were saying about the trichomes. So the trichomes, they're like little bubble heads. If you've ever seen cannabis up close... And if not, they're the clear crystals that are found on the cannabis plant, on the flowering female cannabis plant. And it's like, it looks a little bit like a dick. The resin head is where most of the good shit is stored. That's where the aromas of the terpenes are stored. Terpenes are also really important in cannabis because that's what gives it its distinct smells. So... Cannabis can smell like cheese or it could smell really peppery or it can smell really fruity and lemony or grassy or a whole mixture. You know, some people like really garlicky ones and really pungent and strong and or floral. You know, it's a flower, too. It it gives off scent and terpenes are important for the quality of cannabis. It's what gives it its aromas whether that's within the flavor or the smell and amongst that there are also hundreds of other cannabinoids that we haven't even had time to begin to research that may have health properties the main one being cbd which is a big anti-inflammatory and the other one being thc which is it's more psychoactive uh, sister and is what gives you the traditional high feeling. That's what elevates you. CBD, some people say it's not psychoactive technically, but it does alter your state of being. So in some way it is psychoactive, but to a very, very mild manner. It's not It's not like THC where it could potentially make you anxious, like all those things. CBD does the counter of those things. And that's why it's also important to have the full plant because the compounds within it balance each other out. So sometimes when you separate just THC or just CBD, you're kind of not getting the full benefit of what the cannabis plant could potentially offer you. The crystals and the color of the crystals is how you also determine some of the quality of it because it tells you exactly at what point it was harvested and that can also tell you whether it was mature or too early or just in time because that window of just in time or perfectly matured is when the compounds are at its best as well. When it's matured, you lose some of it. When it's not quite there, you also don't get the full potential of the plant as well. It's very interesting that you said about how it's good to consume the plant as a whole rather than splitting it and just consuming CBD or THC because a lot of people I know will consume CBD in the morning before work and then, you know, go to work for the day and they're still fully operating and their mind is functioning at a normal pace but they're just feeling generally relaxed. And So do you still think it's in that way okay to only take CBD for those kinds of circumstances? Like there's a lot of people that just want to stay away from the whole getting high aspect of it. Totally. I think there are huge benefits of just consuming CBD. In situations where children are taking the medicine or if it's pets, particularly dogs, you know, they can't have THC. So there is definitely a huge need for the isolated compounds because someone who's dealing with, you know, high levels of pain, they are going to need a way higher dose of THC than CBD. And so when it's isolated, you can manage that dosage rather than trying to consume that through just flour versus someone who might operate heavy machinery or Mm. have jobs that require driving and things like that then you but they want to keep their anxiety under control or they need help with certain inflammation the isolated compounds are absolutely necessary for sure Mm. and from a therapeutic perspective as well Mm -hmm. but at the same time just because you split it doesn't make it better than the full plant as well. There are right. pl- there are times and places and for pe- certain people as well, 
where full plant does the best or works the best. Right. I see. Because when you're isolating THC and just CBD, you're also not taking into account all the other cannabinoids as well. And there are hundreds. By that, do you mean there's other, I guess, acronyms other than THC, CBD, there's more? There are more. There's, you know, ones like CBN, which is said to be more sedating. There's CBG, THC. Even within THC, there's like THCA, which is what's in your cannabis flower if you buy bud. Versus Delta 9 THC, which is like the converted version after it gets heated above a certain temperature. There's THCV, which is said to be more of an appetite suppressant versus other ones that can be more of an appetite appetite stimulant. Mm. THC is the one that you need to help you fall asleep. CBD won't do that as well. So people who are struggling with insomnia, you might want to try a little bit of CBD and THC together, and that Mm. might actually help you more than if you're just taking CBD. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and the way cannabis works in your body is so interesting because we have this system within our body called the endocannabinoid system. And if you listen to any podcast, you'll hear it on this one too, we always refer to the system because it's kind of like – your nervous system controls a certain certain functions, certain synapses. It's always like channeling certain messages all around your body to tell other parts of your body what's happening in your brain. Mm. And that's how you're functioning. The endocannabinoid system is, a, is similar to that where we have receptors all throughout our body from the tip of our head down to our toes where basically these receptors combined or bind with cannabis compounds within our body and we have cb1 receptors we have cb2 receptors we have quite a few and depending on how the cannabis binds to these different receptors in your body that can affect how cannabis takes effect on your body and that's why because we all have slightly different systems you and i can have slightly different experiences of the same cannabis because it's entering our body and our body is kind of processing it slightly different. All those cannabinoids are binding slightly different. Yeah. So that sort of thing. That's also why a lot of people have different reactions to it. Some people get high off a tiniest bit. Some people need more. Some people react differently to different strains. And mm-hmm. But I believe that we are meant to have this plant. And I'm not saying it's for everyone and that it's some kind of cure-all. Yeah. It certainly isn't. I just believe that it can increase the quality of life for people who choose to integrate it into their life that works with their body and works with with them as a person. Mm -hmm. But that takes time to discover and find for yourself as well. And it's not easy. It takes practice. Different methods. Different methods. Strains. Yeah. And the beauty of cannabis is that there's such a range of cannabis depending on where it comes from. Nowadays, it's harder to say like this is a this is a Hindu Kush from Hindu Kush Valley or this is a true Afghani or this is like a true land race haze or something like it's hard to say those different things because so many lines of cannabis have been crossed and breeded and not to mention the fact that cannabis today is so much stronger than the cannabis that potentially you know, our parents' generation or slightly older were consuming because humans also decided to breed the strongest for those purposes mm. when it was used for more adult use mm-hmm. um, versus for, like, hemp in textiles. At one point, the U.S. dollar bill was printed on hemp. That's crazy to think that. Mm. And then they banned all of that. It's pretty ridiculous. It really. is quite ridiculous. It's been an up and down journey for cannabis, really. It has. And it's been a long fight and it's still continuing Mm -hmm. and still going to continue for some time. And that's why I think conversations like this are important to at least share a different perspective on it. Mm. Because it's so taboo that a lot of people don't talk about it either Mm -hmm. and don't address these things. Yeah. Even now, I still sometimes feel like if people ask me if I drink because I don't drink and um, I'll say, oh, but I smoke. Like I want to say, oh, but you know, I enjoy the cannabis life, but 
at times I just feel like just as I'm about to say it, I stop myself because I'm like, is that an awkward thing to bring up? Like, are people going to judge me for it? And then I just choose not to even mention it. It's definitely like something that's not as accepted in society yet. Like, there's definitely a lot of hesitation around opening up that side of my life to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Like, only the my friends, like, my closest people in my life know about my consumption of it. Other than that, people just think I'm this sweet, innocent person that doesn't drink, doesn't do any drugs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Completely clean, but <laughs> they don't know the truth. Particularly in New Zealand, it's so awkward to be the one person in a social situation that's not drinking. Absolutely. And what's worse is you have water because you also don't want juice. Yeah. Because how many juices can you realistically drink in a row? (laughs) Yeah. Like I have a limit for how much Sprite I can drink, you know, I'll buy a six pack to like try fit in. Yeah. But realistically, I'm getting through like half a can. (laughs) Yeah. It's definitely a big drinking culture. And it's also like some people make you feel weird for like, oh, you're not drinking? Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know? Are you human? <laughs> yeah. Like, are you sick? Are you pregnant? Like, <laughs> and it, for me, it's not even a choice because genetically, you know, I can't digest alcohol. And that's the same with you as well. Hashtag Asian flush. Asian flush. Hashtag represent. Asian flush migraine. Yeah. Not even just the flush of getting like pink. It'll be <clears throat> fine if you just went pink, but you still got drunk. Yeah. Yep. I would take that. <laughs> but no we get the headache we get the full like I get like the heartbeat in my throat and I have a heartbeat in my brain like my temples feel like it's gonna explode yeah and I think it's important to have this conversation because it also widens the range and also perspective of who uses cannabis when we think of the typical stereotype that is portrayed by media around a cannabis consumer they're generally pretty unpolished Dropouts. Probably Um, quite lazy. Unemployed. Unstable. Mm. Probably has a criminal record. Potentially. Well, that actually raises an interesting point, though. Because it could be that it was because they were taking the risk to provide other people with this medicine. Mm. But anyway, Mm -hmm. that is also a separate issue. Yeah. Because we're talking about stereotype. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole other episode on its own. Yeah. There are many episodes to be covered, actually. A lot of topics. Mm. But the typical person is like, they smoke hella big bongs every day, all day. They probably can't hold a conversation. Their eyes are probably always half open, half closed. Got the munchies. Mm -hmm. And... Is generally looked at as the lazy kind of deadbeat dropkick uncle. The one that tries to fit in on the kid like cool kids table <laughs> at the family dinners. Hat on sideways. Yeah. <laughs> as the latest gadgets. <laughs> that is kind of the media stereotype. And if you look at other markets like Canada, Canada has had legal cannabis for almost three years now. Yippee! Uh, there are challenges. That's not to say that there aren't you know, hiccups and ups and downs. There certainly are, but they are on the stepping stone of having legal cannabis. There are a whole host of different people that consume cannabis. It can be mothers, it could be teachers, it could be cops, lawyers. Really outside of the stereotype, it's grandmas and grandpas and aunties and uncles. And in some places and in some communities, it's absolutely much more normalized. And even more so three years on, the perception of cannabis is definitely shifting more from this deep-rooted cannabis culture into much more of a wellness space, which has been really cool to see. And having conversations around, you know, how to consume, why we consume, and different ways to consume are all open, more openly discussed. And it's much easier to connect with other people via cannabis. And then there are people like us. Asian chicks who love a dab, mm-hmm. love a good joint, yep, and love doing shit high. Loves a good munchie. <laughs> Loves a good stretch, yep. blazed. Mm-hmm. There are many things to be enjoyed, blazed. Or even just a lazy Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yep, to help you unwind, relax, and not have a hangover the next day. Mm. That is the beauty of cannabis. Yep. And... To give you an idea of how much cannabis has even progressed in other places around the world like Canada, it went from an illicit product to an essential service during the pandemic, where it was deemed essential enough that it, that cannabis 
companies and retailers could operate through the pandemic to provide people with herb and flour and medicine. And I think that is a huge achievement because mm-hmm. it's acknowledgement that it adds to people's quality of life. I have a question for you. Yeah. Since you come, you've spent the last three years in a country where cannabis is completely legal, it's thriving in society, it's normalized, there's no stigma around it, really, compared to uh, this country where it's still illegal, there's still a lot of stigma around it. Knowing that you're moving to a country where it's illegal, but wanting to pursue a cannabis passion and future and career, like what were your ideas and yeah, plans around that? I think that was the main thing that really stopped me from coming home for basically until I came home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like basically until my foot was on the plane, I was like, but, <laughs> but the thing that I love and the thing that I worked so hard to pursue is the thing I'm walking away from. Yeah. Is how it felt. You like, you're kind of closing the door on it almost. Yeah, in a sense it felt like that or it was just like I have to walk away from it temporarily mm-hmm. and just do what I can from the environment that I find myself in when I get back because I also hadn't been back in three years and I didn't know what that was going to be like for me. I didn't know, I didn't really have an idea of anything other than the fact that I was coming back to see family and that was really all I could, all I can predict pretty solidly. Mm-hmm. But I also knew that it wasn't going to be the end. Mm. And I guess having the New Zealand referendum up on the cards right before I came back was gave me a bit of hope. I knew it was a f- stretch, but I had optimistic hope. Oh, so maybe you should quickly explain the referendum and how it um, coincided exactly with when you came back. There was a cannabis referendum that coincided with the election and you basically got to vote for should we have legal cannabis or not. They basically had a rough framework of what legalized cannabis would look like and the country decided and voted on it. It was a challenge and it was always going to be a stretch because a lot of the media narrative was much more in support of a no vote. A lot of our media commentators are also more pro-no they're definitely the say no to dope kind than say yes. And there were also outer influences pushing the say no to dope campaign that were more heavily funded than vote yes. And unfortunately, there was a lot of passion and a lot of work done by a lot of people to try and educate, to try and provide solid factual evidence of why a yes vote is important for this country, but we just couldn't get there. There was more misinformation that influenced a certain number of voters than there were enough that were convinced to vote yes. The bill didn't pass by a slim one point something percent. So it was super close. Basically, yeah, it was basically split down the middle, almost. It was a small percentage of people that were potentially undecided voters who just decided to vote no. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, it didn't pass. And... I came back, I think, maybe two weeks before this referendum was going to be, well, before the referendum result was going to be announced. I had hoped that the other side of this referendum would have the hopes of legal cannabis, but it hasn't panned out that way. (laughs) But I'm still in cannabis, which is the main thing, and I'm so grateful for it, and I love it, and wanting to welcome new people I guess the tricky thing is that cannabis, the more you get down into into it, the more complex it gets. But yeah, we kind of covered like who uses cannabis and it's pretty across the board, down to your pets. Mm-hmm. Pet CBD is totally a thing. Helps with anxious dogs, helps with dogs that have gone through surgery, cats, like so mm. many different living beings mm-hmm. can benefit from cannabis and I mean, people use cannabis for so many different reasons. What do you use cannabis for? I use it mostly recreationally. You know, if we're going for a hike, a walk, or just a relaxing day at home, or um, just wind down at the end of the day before I go to sleep. Yeah. A swim, a spa. A swim, spa. 
We don't have a spa. That's just... In an ideal world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just imagining all the places you could. Yeah. But also sometimes if I've got like really bad period cramps or mm-hmm. bad headache, um, yeah, some, it helps take my mind off it and helps with the pain, helps with just generally feeling relaxed all over my body and... Yes, yeah, so I guess mostly recreational, but when I need to, medicinally as well. Mm. So there is some therapeutic use yeah. in your consumption of cannabis, but yeah. it's mainly as a relaxant and a form of unwinding. Yeah. What about you? For me, I've definitely gone through phases of why I consume cannabis, and I think this is partly why I really wanted to do this, because... My initial understanding of cannabis when I first started consuming it has changed so much from to what it is today. And I say that because when I first started consuming cannabis, when I was a teenager, all I knew was that heavy stoner culture. It was the biggest bong rip you can do, the highest you can get. And to me, I thought that was the point. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until later on in life where I met other people who also consume cannabis but also there was more education around it particularly in Canada around intentional use of cannabis and understanding why you're using cannabis what is it for and what do you want it to do and that's when I started to shift oh, okay it's not just consuming for consuming sake cannabis you don't treat it Like, of course you can treat it as the thing that you just want to consume to get high. That's cool too, depending on who you are and if that's what you enjoy. But there's also a more therapeutic use for it where you set an intention that you want it to help you sleep better or you want to be creative and make music or paint or it's to help you maybe get your appetite back. There are so many ways that Now I am more conscious of how I use cannabis. Even if it is for just to have fun, it's like I'm consuming it because I want to relax and have fun with my friends and go out for a dance or enjoy a concert or something. But just knowing why I'm consuming it was the biggest game changer in terms of how I chose to integrate cannabis into my life and what influenced my cannabis consumption. Because before then, I would get so high and just pass out. Or not be able to really function or hold a conversation or, yeah, basically just fall asleep. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have the entire cone. You don't have to smoke a full joint. Even a couple puffs is enough for some people. And a couple puffs is sometimes all I need to just get me a little bit more uplifted to help me then enter my day better or finish off my day better. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that was one of the big misconceptions of cannabis that really helped me in the therapeutic use. Knowing that you and I both have health and wellness reasons for consuming cannabis, and there's also an adult use, recreational way as well, do you think cannabis is dangerous? I don't think it's dangerous. I mean, you can't die from overconsumption also I hear I've never heard of anybody and that's what everybody says as well yeah you definitely won't need your stomach pumped from overconsumption yeah you might depending on how you overconsume you might need an IV drip for like hydration yeah (laughs) you might get too dehydrated (laughs) this person has a case of cotton mouth I guess in the sense that If you're under the influence and you decide to drive a car on a crazy road in the middle of the night or something, or if you put yourself within a dangerous situation, then I would say it's dangerous because it obviously affects your state of mind, affects your reactions Mm -hmm. in everything. Reflexes. Reflexes. And so unless you put yourself in a dangerous situation intentionally, which, you know, I highly doubt you'd need to unless it's like an emergency snack run or something. <laughs> like, I Even don't think... then, there are methods to get food to you, <laughs> yeah, not exactly. you to the food. <laughs> yeah. So I would not say that it's a dangerous substance, but what would you say? I think cannabis itself, like you said, 
it's not as dangerous as it's said to be and not as dangerous as a lot of people think it to be. It won't make you start speaking to the devil or, you know, make you an evil person or make you want to, yeah, make you want (laughs) to commit crime and all these things. If anything, it's going to mellow you out to definitely not want to do anything like that. Yeah. But that said, there are absolutely risks to consuming cannabis because it alters your state of mind. Like you said, if you're not mentally stable or if you're not in Mm. a good place mentally, then it can take you to dark places if you don't know where you're at mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, all those things. So I think there definitely is caution to be had. You can't just, and I think this is what's so important about a legal cannabis environment where you're able to know what you're consuming and how you're consuming it. Because if you don't know and you're going, I'm just going to get something off the street and hopefully this is going to help my depression because I'm super depressed. But actually it could have pesticides or fertilizers or fly spray, who knows what on it that could actually also negatively affect you and negatively impact the initial therapeutic use that you were seeking Mm -hmm. and it could make you more depressed or it could make you ill. It can make you sick, whatever. So I think part of what makes cannabis dangerous is the unknown of our current environment, but there are also risks to the plant as well. Like I don't think you can't not acknowledge that Mm -hmm. if you have a family history of psychosis, like you should probably know that Mm -hmm. and seek medical advice before consuming cannabis i think because also living in an illegal market you can't get the regulated stuff you know you can just get what you can and a lot of people who experience it for the first time experience bad trips because they don't know that if you aren't in the right state of mind that it can drag you down deeper down into a darker place or Mm -hmm. you know it, it really also has to do with yourself and your own mental state and your own mental health but not only that but the environment that you're in when you're consuming it if you're in a big party with a lots lots of strangers that you don't know in a house you don't know and mm-hmm. you know so many other factors can influence your experience with that substance and so I'd also say to people that have had bad experiences that every experience is not going to be a bad experience yeah you have to set the trip mm-hmm you have to set the environment to also guide your journey, to guide whatever effect that you want to have on your body. Yeah. Cannabis is not going to fix the shit you have to work through. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it can help you though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It'll give you a helping hand, but it's not going to solve all your problems. Yeah, definitely. And I think those are the <clears throat> differences as well. I also think back to how you said about Um, taking a dab intentionally to write down your problems or whatever you're going through, like knowing that you're going to put yourself, put your mind in that state is a good thing because I think, um, oh, damn, what was I going to (laughs) say? This is what happens when you take dabs before you record. I know. I had such a good point as well. Oh, yes. Um, So sometimes like if I'm facing like a personal issue or struggle or stressing about something in my mind and then, I decide that, okay, it's I'm going to go to bed now. I'm going to take my mind off it. I'm going to have a cone and try and relax. And so after I have a cone, sometimes the high kind of takes me out of my situation and allows me to have like a bird's eye perspective on my situation. And it makes me kind of give myself another perspective on things like, oh, actually the things I was stressing about aren't too bad when I see it from this perspective. And so sometimes it also helps me go through my own personal struggles. Mm. Yeah. So would you say all cannabis is the same? Is all cannabis the same to you? Um, I used to when I first started consuming it. I used to think everything was the same. All leaves, herbs, flowers, whatever it is. If it's green and I can smoke it, it's all the same. (laughs) You're like, bring on those leaves. But yeah, I guess... Ever since you started becoming, like, educating yourself on more of it, and I've discovered that, oh, there's actually different strains, there's sativa and indica, one is more uplifting, one is more relaxing. Um, Which is interesting you say that, because 
indica can't be associated to being sleepy and sativa can't be associated to being uplifting and energetic because of those multiple crosses of breeds that have happened over time that the thing that indica and sativa basically refers to is the type of plant it is. So an indica will grow shorter, more stocky, their leaves are generally darker, and they're known as what's known as the broadleaf drug type. And what that means is, so you know like the nine-point leaves or the seven-point leaf Mm -hmm. of the cannabis plant? Those leaves, most people know cannabis by the sativa leaf, which are thin, elongated, serrated leaves that go kind of long, thin, and pointy. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the narrow leaf drug type. And then you've got the broad leaf, which I said is more indica, and those are the fat leaves. There's usually less uh, leaflets, I guess, and they're fatter. They're generally darker in color. And the sativas are identified by the narrow leaves. They're generally lighter in color, and their buds grow more elongated. So the flower itself elongates more and is taller versus indicas, which can be more nuggety, comb-shaped, and much more often densely packed and short and fat and delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think that was the biggest thing for me, like finding out that all weed isn't the same. It's firstly categorized into those two categories. Mm -hmm. And then within those categories, there's the different strains. Yeah. And strains are also referred to as cultivars. Right. But it's more commonly referred to as strains, and I don't know if the industry is ever going to move away from that. Right. Yeah, but you've got the different cultivars or strains out there, which are different, and those will all affect you differently. Some will make you more sleepy, like some are going to make you more energetic or more social or more focused or more creative or less anxious, more relaxed. It might help with pain. It might help with appetite. The fact that we've all got these unique endocannabinoid systems and all these different types of cannabis cultivars or strains, you really have to just experiment and find the ones that work for you, find the ones that fit. And when I used to work at the dispensary, one way that we were able to tell people, you know, especially new consumers who come in and they don't know anything, they don't know what they should consume, they don't know how they should consume it. The first thing that we always did was find out why they want to use it or why they want to consume cannabis. Back then, you know, depending on what dispensary you were at, you were able to actually smell all the different strains or cultivars. And we would always say, follow your nose because your nose knows. (laughs) And what that means is generally... If your body is seeking something, it's going to be more appealing to you because your body needs it. Mm -hmm. And that's why the terpenes are so important because the terpenes are what gives it the aromas and the aromas is what your nose is attracted to. And that's how your body knows this is the one I want. This is something that smells really bad for you. It doesn't mean that everything that smells bad for you is not good for you. Not Mm -hmm. the case, but it's a good starting point for new consumers to go, okay, I'm going to smell all these different ones and this one smells the best to me, so I'm going to choose this one. And it was a good starting point for them to try. Because then at least also in terms of your experience too, like if it's something that smells delicious to you, from that point you're already potentially in a better mood to then receive that experience better Mm -hmm. versus something that you're like, ugh, this smells like shit. Yeah. Wow, I don't know you could follow your nose. I didn't know that was even a way that you could choose what you wanted or what your body wanted. Mm. I thought, you know, you just choose whatever sounds cool, like, oh, strawberry cookie dough or whatever, <laughs> and you go for that. Or, you know, I didn't think that you could even choose with your nose. Yeah, you're like, the ghost breath, please. Yeah. <laughs> there are so many different strains or cultivars out there, not to mention then when it comes to consuming the cannabis and the formats that are available as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, name a couple formats that you 
consume cannabis by? Well, I used to be a hard bong user. Like that you was my were go-to. A hard bong user. I went through probably three different types of bongs, and then now I'm more onto the pipe. I don't know why, really. Maybe just convenience. Convenience <laughs> for like, sure. Less cleaning. <laughs> yeah. Just whatever. You're like less method. changing of water. Yeah. Like, yeah. Now I'm just mostly pipe. I did try to do, I bought Snoop Dogg's, like, G-Pen. So that's a dry herb vaporizer. Yeah, so you put a tiny bit of dry herb in there and it vaporizes Mm. it, but... um, Which is different to smoking, because basically smoking refers to burning the flower, the dried flower, and burning it, and consuming all of that smoke. Mm -hmm. The difference between smoking and a vaporizer is that the vaporizer only combusts those crystals that contain the cannabinoids and the good shit. You don't smoke any plant matter, and that's the difference between the two smokes, I guess. Right. So you would say vaporizer would be, in a sense, healthier for your body and your lungs? Absolutely. I am an advocate of vaping because, in my opinion, my personal opinion, vaporizing tastes better for me, it feels better too. Sometimes smoking the dry flower or the plant material can be a bit heavy for my body. And I prefer the effects that I get from vaporizing. Yeah. But it's not to say I don't love a good joint though. Yeah. Yeah. So joints is another one. Yeah. Joints is just dry herb or dry flower rolled into <laughs> a cigarette form. Mm-hmm. Usually cone shaped. <laughs> preferably you would say yeah preferably (laughs) cone shaped i love dabs dabs would be my absolute chosen method and dabs refers to cannabis concentrates but i particularly love dabs because of the effect for me it feels cleaner and i enjoy the aromas and flavors a lot more she fancy like that (laughs) <laughs> I'm a bit more wild A little, little bit more bouge <laughs> More bouge Yeah, just a little bit I'm more I'm a bit bouge. rougher around the edges Yeah, you just go straight for the cone hit And a cone basically refers to a pipe That has a little gauze on it And is that what you call it? A gauze? A mesh A mesh A mesh Yeah It has a little mesh in the cone piece And you put your ground up flour onto the little pipe And then you light the pipe and inhale it And anything without a filter is always going to be a lot harsher. So you're consuming literally straight flour, dry plant material, the crystals, all of it, straight through into your your system without water or a filter or of any kind. Smoke and vapor will always be a, a little bit less harsh for your body if it passes through something like water because the water can cool it. Um, so it's not so hot going into your body, but smoking or vaping cannabis is definitely the quickest method to consume it for its effect, especially if you're looking for pain relief and things. Smoking is the fastest way. There's obviously all kind, all sorts of different edibles as well and ingestibles. There's just a array of formats of cannabis out mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. But I also think with edibles, it's a completely different high in a way or experience to smoking yeah so basically the main difference between the effect of cannabis when you smoke it and the effect of cannabis when you eat it is that it actually the compounds change within your body so when you smoke it those compounds are entering your bloodstream through your lungs and so it goes from your lungs into your bloodstream and then it's in your system so the onset is quicker Mm. The offset is also quicker. It wears mm-hmm. off within an hour or two. Probably no more than that. Mm-hmm. Depending on how much you're consuming. Mm. And whether you're reconsuming within that time. Mm-hmm. But with edibles, when you eat it, it's it has to be digested in your stomach. Then it goes into your liver. And when those the THC and those compounds go through your liver, the liver then breaks it down into another compound called 11-hydroxy. And that is actually can feel more potent for your body. And it also, because your body goes through all this digesting before it goes into your bloodstream, it's also much longer in onset and much longer in offset. So your high can last longer. Great for people that are dealing with chronic pain, Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. not so great if you have to go to work early the next day totally. and be functional. Yeah, it's definitely a longer effect, I found. And it also comes in bursts. Yeah, there like, are definitely waves yeah, to it. Yeah, it goes in waves, whereas smoking, it, it goes up and then it's down and then it's over. Yeah, and you land like a plane. You go up the runway, you come up pretty nicely, and then you can land pretty well as yeah. well. Versus edibles, once you're up, sometimes the the down can be bumpy too. Yeah. And not Definitely. to say there's a come down from it. No. That's not the down that we're referring to. It's like down to your, your like normal state. Mm-hmm. That's why it's totally not a good idea to make a big batch of brownies for a concert or something. You'll miss the concert. Yeah. So it's good to be educated on what affects your method of consumption and what affects follows with that. Mm. And dabs seem scary for a lot of people, especially concentrates, but it might it can also be a nice teaser of what cannabis can be like because you don't have to take a one gram dab for your first time. Absolutely do not do that. <laughs> I highly do not recommend. Yeah. You only need a little bit to feel the effects of it. And once you start to get familiar with what it feels like, then you can branch out into you know, slightly larger doses or more frequent or different methods or trying edibles and experimenting with your tolerance as well because you do build tolerance to it, mm-hmm. which is probably a downside of dabs <laughs> <laughs> is that you do build a tolerance to it, but it's hard because it's delicious. Mm. And I guess the other main thing to know about cannabis is how do you tell good cannabis from bad? What do you look for? Um... It's hard for me because, you know, unlike you, I haven't lived in a country where it's been legal and I've been able to look at all different types and I don't have that visual memory of seeing so many different types of flowers and strains. Mm-hmm. So I guess I've learned from you that more crystal look, crystallized looking flower. Mm-hmm. So when I look at a flower, something that has a lot of just that shiny stuff, um, sparkly sparkly flowers that aren't too leafy mm-hmm. yeah just have a good scent good aroma good smell yeah is how I would s- oh it's quite thick like not all skimpy and skinny right like dense dense yeah the density yeah yeah is not how I would say fluffy yeah but that's also coming from a perspective of am I getting my money's worth <laughs> <laughs> But how would you say is distinguishing between good and bad? I think with good or bad cannabis, you really won't know until you consume it as well, right? Mm -hmm. Like something that might not look as appealing might actually have awesome effects. Mm -hmm. But there are also some signs that you can look at visually as well. Like you mentioned, you look for the different crystals if you have a microscope because you're super nerdy like me, (laughs) then you would look at the crystals and determine, you know, was it at its perfect maturity when it was harvested? And how you tell is those crystals will go through phases. So the first phase it goes through, it'll be crystal clear. That's when it's young. And then it'll go into this milky cloudiness. And that's when it's telling you it's pretty much mature. And then it'll start going some parts will start going amber. And when it's going amber, if it's too amber, it's too mature. You want Mm. a good mix of slightly amber and milky cloudy for the most part. So that's something that I would look for if I can look at it up that close. Mm. It also makes me look for any contaminants. If there are any insects in there or those sorts of things Mm -hmm. as well, because that definitely affects the quality. And then the shape and how uniform the nug is or the bud which is how we refer to the flower if it's kind of nicely cone shaped or you know it's not poking out in lots of different places and it's kind of all a nice domey shape Mm -hmm. I look for and then also the squish test to test the density and the testing the density will also kind of tell me what the moisture content is if I squish it and it just squishes down without bouncing back, it tells me there's too much moisture. But if I squish it down and it cracks, it tells me that's probably a bit too dry. 
but if I squish it down there's a nice stickiness but there's also a slight bounce back to it that tells me it's pretty good in nice. terms of the quality of the cure and how long it's been dried for. And then I also look for the trim and the trim is what we refer to how it's presented. So the more leaves that wrap around the nug, the less quality in terms of grading that would be. The less leaves on it, the less stems on it, that's what a nice trim is to me because then mm-hmm. it also reveals the buds and the pistils, which are the the hairs on it. It can be orange, it could be slightly yellow and it comes in different colors. So those are the things I look for, I guess, visually to judge. And then the next is how it grinds. Does it grind nice and evenly? Like that's a nice way to also tell the moisture content. If it kind of still clumps together and is really hard, it's probably not dry enough. And the aroma as well, what terpenes I get. Does it smell fresh or does it smell like the terpenes were kind of preserved as it cured or did all of it kind of go? It also gives you an idea of how old it might be. Mm -hmm. And then it comes to the burn too. If I'm smoking a joint, I'll look at what, how it's burning. Does it crackle? Does it pop? If it does, probably not good. I also find it fascinating how you comment on the color of the ashes. Mm. And the color of the ash can tell you, was the cannabis flush properly? Like white ash is the premium. That's what you strive for to consume and to also produce. And then you've got the salt and pepper, which was probably flushed relatively well, but there are still some contaminants and things in there. And then you've got just straight black, which will also taste bitter. You'll know before you even have to see the ash because you'll taste it. Mm. It'll be bitter. It might have like, kind of resin coming off it or some kind of oil coming off it and in certain things Mm -hmm. so in a way you wouldn't even think but there's so many ways that you can distinguish between a good bud and a bad bud Mm -hmm. and I think that's why it's nice to be able to look and be able to see what you're purchasing yeah which is ideal in a legal environment Mm -hmm. but it's still treated and is classed as an illicit substance so I think it'll be a while until those things happen but I hope that that's the future of what cannabis looks like yeah although I think they've already passed that bill I'm not quite sure yet I don't think they have that's what they're pushing for yeah but I think it's not enough to decriminalize because you still can prosecute the people producing it Right. So it's like, you won't be criminalized for having it, (laughs) but if you grow it, I'm going to get you. (laughs) I don't know how that really works. (laughs) Neither do I. Sometimes laws just don't make sense, though. Yeah. Like cannabis prohibition. (laughs) Yeah. Not to mention the people risking their entire livelihood to provide so many people with these medicines, whether that's a green fairy or growers or, you know, everyone in between. There are a lot of people doing the good work out there. There risking are. a lot. There really are. And so much respect goes to all those people because without you, we wouldn't have what we do today. The quality, the access, or the options. Mm-hmm. So really, this episode, we've covered a very basic surface level 101 of what cannabis is. And we hope if this is your first foray into cannabis that Maybe you learned something. If you know about cannabis, hopefully you found something interesting. Obviously, these topics go individually go so much deeper, whether that's the history of cannabis in ancient cultures through to our endocannabinoid system. There's so much more that we want to share. And thank you so much for joining us. If you're still with us, we really appreciate your time. Thanks for chilling in the Bellas Who Blaze Lounge. Thanks to my sis for chilling out with me. Yo, it's always a pleasure. I'm excited for the next time we get to chill in this lounge again. I'm going to miss it. Make sure you give us a follow on all social medias. You can find us at Bellas Who Blaze. Make sure you tune in for more compassionate cannabis conversations. See you next week. Stay chilled. Thanks for listening to Bellas Who Blaze.